This message was recorded during a live service at Temple Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Thanks for joining us as we love God, share life, and serve Christ. I'm going to do a, an Easter message I've never done before, and I'll explain a little bit about where that's coming from. It really grew out of these songs as... Um, as Katie picked them and as I had to do the PowerPoints and put them together and think of Scripture and just processing those songs, my, my perspective on what I wanted to say at, on Easter Sunday changed. It's going to come from Romans chapter 6. And so if you want to take the Bible that's there in the pew, you can turn to page 799 and you'll find Romans chapter 6 and I'm going to be thinking about those verses the first 14 verses for the whole time so you might want to keep that open and um, refer back to it um, I think that it would be even better if you leave this service saying you know I didn't really think about the Bible in that way before I didn't think about the resurrection I didn't think about Easter in that way before but I see now that that is really what the Bible is saying if, if that happens to you today then it'll be well worth these next 20 minutes or so I hope that that can be the case so let's pray together and then I want to share the things that are on my mind Lord thank you for the music thank you for everybody who was here that that practiced and, and worked on the music and uh, their home and, and as they were together. Lord, thank you for the composers, the writers, the people that perform and, and, and give us music. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that we can come together on Easter Sunday and we can celebrate that you rose from the dead, Lord Jesus, and that that makes a difference in the way our lives work today. And Lord, I, I don't know if I can get that across. I, I don't know that I can. But your word says it, and your spirit can, can get it through. And so I would ask that that would happen. And Lord, if, if you can do that, Lord, that would be good for every single one of us. And so I ask for that blessing, that gift that presence from your word to our lives. And I ask in Jesus' name, amen. You know, Easter sermons, mostly, I, w I look back over my Easter sermons every year and I try to kind of take an inventory. And, and I would suppose most of my Easter sermons are about kind of defending the validity and the historicity of Jesus' resurrection. And, you know, if those are big words, and if that don't really mean anything to you, don't worry about it. I just want us to know that Jesus' resurrection happened, and there's good reason to believe it happened. And, and if we think about Easter like that, it's good for us. It's plausible. It's reliable. Who would die for a lie? And yet those 11 disciples, every single one of them except John, died because they knew Jesus rose from the dead. That's why. It turned frightened followers into brave martyrs. 
and it did it in the twinkling of an eye, the resurrection. Most of my sermons are like that. Sometimes I take that idea and I, I look at 1 Corinthians 15 and I say, okay, since Jesus rose from the dead, what does that mean to us? And we look at 1 Corinthians 15 and Paul says, you know, it's the foundation of our faith. It validates our forgiveness. I don't know about you, but that I'm glad for that. I need forgiveness. And so when Jesus rose from the dead, it's proving that he can forgive. It anchors our hope. It says, you know, you're going to die, but don't worry. There's life after death. 1 Corinthians 15 says... Jesus will get us there. And so the other mostly, uh, the, the other big majority of my Easter sermons are, are like that. You know, the, the resurrection is, is everything that Christianity is built on. And, and both of those themes about the resurrection, about Easter, are, are right on. Those are biblical. And I... I don't at all apologize for preaching those kind of sermons after almost 40 years of preaching. 40 Easter's. But today I want to think about it very differently. Today I want us to think about the resurrection personal for our lives right now. Right now. Not theoretical not in the future hope, not in, in thinking about its validity and its reliability, not those things, but right now, look into my heart, into our hearts, and say, what does the resurrection mean today, now? That's what I want to do. And that's what Romans 6 does. Let me read it. Romans 6, first 14 verses. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? That, that question grows out of all the stuff that came before Romans chapter 6 as Paul wrote the book of Romans. And if, if, uh, if you want to understand why I asked that question, you have to read the first five chapters. That's okay. Uh, we're we're going to just go on from there because Paul says... By no means we should not keep on sinning so that grace will increase. And then he says, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And now he goes on to explain that even more. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with 
that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, take what Jesus experienced, his death and his resurrection, pluck that from history, and now enter it into your life, and here's how he says to do it. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal, in your fleshly, in your body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness, for sin shall not be your master. Let me see if I can bring that home to us. The first thing I want to say about those verses, and you just keep that place in the Bible open, and you keep looking at those verses, because those verses tell us that our salvation, our rescue from sin, our rescue from Death, our rescue from hell, is all about a personal connection with Jesus. That connection is made at his death on the cross. That's what those verses are saying. I, I don't know about you. Uh, a lot of, there's a lot of different ideas about what it means to be a Christian, you know? Uh, how do you get saved? Uh, what does it mean to be saved? You know, is it because I repent? And God looks down and says, well, you know, dude, you've, you've really turned a, over a new leaf. I'm going to just bring you into my family because you've done that. Or, or, you know, maybe it's like saying, you know, I'll make amends. I'll, I'll be sincere. I'll make restitution. And God says, well, good job, dude. You know, you're, you're doing a good thing. You're turning your life around. I'm just going to be so glad to bring you into heaven. Or, or some people think, well, you know, it's, it's God looks and he sees your sacrifice and he, he sees what you're going to do in the future and he, he saves you because of what's ahead for you. These verses tell us it's not any of that. It's because I connect myself with Jesus on the cross. That is my salvation. I died with Jesus. Ephesians says, as for you, Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 5, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. All of us lived among them at one time, all of us, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature's objects of wrath. That describes us. It doesn't 
say, and if you turn over a new leaf, God will give you a second chance. That isn't what it says. But because of his great love for us, the Bible says, who is God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Jesus, our rescue from our sin is because we are connected with Jesus on the cross. His death pays our penalty and we receive his perfection. That happens on the cross. Romans 6, we just read it. We died to sin. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be not reformed, not corrected, not instructed in a better way. The body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because we died with Jesus. That's why we're that's why we're saved. It, it's, it's not a, a thing that we had something to do with. It's what Jesus did completely. And what we do is we connect ourselves to all that Jesus did and we, we receive the gift of righteousness that comes from his sacrifice for us. That's what it means to be saved. Salvation is our connection with Jesus' death. If when we think of the cross, when we think of Good Friday or Easter, some of the songs we sang, the pictures we saw, if we aren't thinking, that was my cross, those were my nails, he died for me. If we don't get that, if that isn't the thought that comes to us, then we are missing the very reality of salvation. Our salvation is about our personal connection to Jesus' death. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become God's righteousness in him in him the second thing i want to say is that our salvation is not just about death it's also about resurrection as much as it's about death the death that we should die jesus died the gift of life that was his becomes ours because we are in christ we are together with him we put ourselves into him and he becomes life. Our salvation is also about resurrection. 
Romans 6 again. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. He goes on. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die death no longer as mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God and we live that life with him too. Salvation. It is about our personal connection to Jesus on the cross. And it's about our resurrection with Jesus when he rose from the dead. Easter. Easter is about us. It's about our desperate lost condition that we have no way to gain any sort of favor from God and Jesus looked upon that condition and said I will do it for you I will die the death you should die and if you will put your life into with me you will become in Christ you can also have the resurrection that I offer to all who are with me this united life in Jesus death and resurrection means that the slavery to sin is broken Easter means that we are no longer slaves to sin no no longer when I say what does Easter mean to us right now in this moment? Romans 6 tells us it means that we are no longer slaves to sin. That slavery that we lived under apart from Jesus, that slavery is broken. And we can now live for God. Now, what does that mean? I... I well, let me read it again, Romans 6. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. For sin shall not be your master. Easter Sunday says we are no longer captives to sin. Today, this very day, we are no longer captives to sin. Now, I, I want to unpack that for a little bit. And, and as I unpack it, I realize that, that it could be unpacked in many ways. And I don't have the only way to unpack it. But as I think about it, one of the ways to unpack that is to understand that we get too upset at the sinfulness of people who don't know Jesus. I, 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 as I thought about these verses in Romans 6, I realized that, 
you know, we get really ticked off at people that don't act like Christians. Why is that? Do, do we think they're somehow not slaves to sin? The Bible says they are. Until they connect with Jesus, they, they're, they're lost. And yet we, we look at them and we say, you know, your lifestyle is rotten. You shouldn't have that kind of lifestyle. Or we look at them and say, boy, your habits, oh, they're bad habits. You, you need to quit having those kind of habits. Oh, don't you realize how bad they are? That we do way too much criticizing people who don't know Jesus because they don't live like Christians. <laughs> Give me a break. What do we expect? Now, you stop to think about that for just a minute. Who do you know that doesn't know Jesus, and they are ticking you off because they aren't acting very good? You can fill in the blanks about what they're doing that tick you off or read the editorial page in the paper. That'll do it for you. At least it does it for me. When I read these verses, it shakes me to realize that I expect way too much out of people that don't know Jesus. And I've got to quit that. Because without Jesus, they are slaves and they cannot do anything about it, period. Oh, I, I know they could change a few things now and then if they get enough pressure, or maybe enough laws or you know enough financial whatever, they could do a little bit. But I, I'm talking about real stuff here. How about our own kids? Are we expecting our kids who don't know Jesus to live like only Jesus can have us live? I get it. We want our kids to have Christian values. We want them to understand the difference, what God says, the difference between right and wrong. I understand that. I get that. I'm not saying that's wrong. But I'm saying look at our expectations and quit, quit putting pressure on people who don't know Jesus to live like they do. That's what I'm saying is one of the unpacking pieces of Romans 6. And the other piece, the flip side of that, flip the coin over and catch it, and that says we don't expect enough of ourselves. We are too quick to say, well, you know, nobody's perfect. You know, well, you know, if you grew up in the home I grew up in, you'd have these problems too. Or if you're married to the spouse I have, or if your kids did for you what they're doing for me, you'd have these problems. We have all kinds of excuses, and we, we're quick to say, well, nobody's perfect. Wait a minute. Read Romans 6. It says we are no longer slaves. It is not don't be a slave. It's you aren't a slave. Easter means that slavery is broken for everyone who's connected to Jesus. Everyone, period. Quit giving ourselves excuses. Let's stop that nonsense. Living for God is a reality that should be true and can be true in our lives. You know, as I think about that, I, I think about, you know, we, we, we let things in our life that we know are not pleasing to God. We just, we let it stay there. and We, we make excuses and we pretend that, you know, we don't have a choice and you know, everybody, nobody's perfect, and we make all these things, but it's like leaving a, a splinter in your finger. 
You ever had a splinter in your finger? Sure you have, you probably have had it, maybe even recently since it's springtime, you know, you're getting out and doing yard work and the splinters come. And if you leave that splinter, it isn't very big, but if you leave it there, it gets infected and your whole hand hurts and pretty soon you get that splinter out of there because you realize, that I gotta get rid of this. And we need to think about sin in our lives like that splinter and it's going to infect us if we don't deal with it. And Jesus says, you don't have to let sin in your life, period. We, we're just way too hard on people who don't know Jesus and we're way too soft on ourselves because of Easter, because of Easter. And because we are united with Jesus and his death kills our sinful nature, it died on the cross with him. And that new life that he lives is ours. And we can, we can live it. We can live it. Think about, maybe, I mean, you know, that part of our job, part of what we do with each other is we help each other live up to that life that Jesus has made possible for us. Um, just, just pick the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And just, just read through it and just say, okay, Lord, you know, I, I'm, I, I kind of think Pastor Dude has some things that, that you know, he's, he's got a good point there. We prob I've been probably too, too soft on myself, and I, I want to deal with the sin. You said it, it doesn't have to have a place in my life. I want to see that victory, that, that resurrection, that new life you offer. So just, just take Matthew's chapters 5, 6, and 7 and just read it and say, Okay, Lord, what here would you like to put deeper into my life? So if, if this idea is making sense to you and you're saying, okay, what's the next step? Then my suggestion is that you sit down with Scripture and I'm suggesting Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. And you just say, okay, Lord, is there something in these verses that helps me see better what it is that I'm I'm letting go, and you say, that, that doesn't belong. You need to get rid of that. Start living up to the life I've given you. And let Matthew 5, 6, 7 guide you for that. Um, since power in our life is broken, we do not need to be slaves to that anymore. God says that is true. Will we believe it? Or will we say, well, nobody's perfect. And, you know, we all have our problems. And, you know, that's in the Bible. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that I don't get. And, I, you know, that, that's just too, that's too hard, too high. God says it's true. We do not need to be sinful. We do not need to let sin into our lives. Will we believe that or will we find reasons to ignore it? You know, when you just think about it, if, if the way we think impacts how we live, and it does, right? 
you've seen that yourself right you know you have this thing going on and it the way you're thinking about life impacts where you live okay let's start thinking that sin does not need to have a place in my life let's just start thinking that and when we see it's there we say you know, that doesn't need to be there and then we say okay how do you deal with that well we, we let the Bible's truth impact us we ask God for help God you said I don't have to let sin this this sin is is eating my lunch and it doesn't have to God help me with that I want to see difference and then we connect with scripture and with others and we let the scripture tell us no temptation has seized you except what's common to man God is faithful he's not going to let that happen in your life too much to bear but he'll provide a way out so let's look for the way out and let's share it with those who already have been there and walk that walk with us and let's see let's see victory over sin because Romans tells us we can count on the fact that our old nature, our old self is crucified. It's dead with Jesus. And now God has given us a resurrected life. Easter. Easter is not just about then. And it's not just about since then. It's also about now. And the now of Easter is we are no longer slaves to sin. And Jesus has done that, not me. And he says, you can live a resurrected life now. What do you think? Lord, thank you for Easter. <laughs> it's wonderful. Thank you that these words in Scripture, they, they bring it right home to our doorstep. And thank you, Lord, that in the, the miracle of what you do in, your, in the lives of your people, that when we are connected to Jesus, things truly change. And sin need no longer master us. So, Lord, help us live in the resurrected life in Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to be notified of future messages from Temple Baptist Church, be sure to hit the subscribe button. If you would like to further connect with us, please visit tbcfargo.org. Until next time, we encourage you to join us where you are in loving God, sharing life, and serving Christ.